Well, Peter, Paul, Mary, and a couple of younger ones, too. <laughs> you know, if you're a baby boomer, that song doesn't, doesn't just uh, hit the nail on the head or ring a bell. Uh, it, it really it conjures up feelings, right? Feelings of a, a time when your generation stood for something that was really important, something revolutionary. Uh, I, I hope that our time today uh, brings back uh, some of that passion, not just in those of you who are baby boomers, uh, but in, in each of us who's a part of this church. Uh, so good morning to each of you. Welcome to Troy United Methodist Church. I'm so glad each of you is here uh, in person or uh, maybe watching this uh, online. Uh, my name is Andy. I'm uh, thrilled uh, to have you here in worship with us. And if I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, would would uh, uh, love to say hi briefly before I run to the next service upstairs. Uh, but as, as you've already heard, our current message series is called Generations. And, and last Sunday, I shared... Uh, some of our, our hopes and our desires uh, for the next few weeks. You see, I, I've just found that maybe, maybe this has been your experience too, that in, in uh, a lot of families or in uh, broader society and even within the church, uh, sometimes uh, we will blame all the things that we don't like, all of the problems that we see, all the things that we perceive as broken. We'll blame it on, oh, the old people or that, that young, those whippersnappers, uh, you know, and, and, and what that does is it, it causes uh, resentment and, and roots of bitterness and ultimately a disunity and division. But as we opened with uh, last week, the Bible tells us that, that you, Lord, you, you remain the same forever. Your throne continues from generation to generation. And so this series, we're seeing how God has reigned in and through uh, each of the generations of adults that, that make up our church today, and how each generation has been shaped by events in the world and challenges in their life, and how that impacts um, and has formed and shaped their character and their faith. And we're going to explore each generation um, in, in that way uh, with, with these three goals in mind, and I'll share these each week. Um, uh, first, to better understand one another. Uh, but we need to move past uh, better understanding to the point of, of really learning to appreciate uh, one another. But ultimately, our, our third goal and, and biggest goal at that is to begin to live into God's vision for an intergenerational community, an intergenerational church, uh, by honoring one another, uh, truly by modeling the best of each generation so that together we can, uh, in a more uh, broad and a fuller way, reflect God's vision for the church. Uh, and those are our hopes. And, and last week we kicked it off with uh, really uh, an amazing week looking at an inspiring generation. Uh, I, uh, the cold and the snow uh, kept, uh, kept our attendance a little bit lower, but uh, I, I heard the buzz was going around and, and people were saying, you got to watch that. you got to watch that online. And I got so much positive feedback from people saying, oh, that reminded me. You know, you really captured my generation, or, or, or that reminded me of, of my dad or my grandpa and, and their generation. And uh, we looked at the builders uh, who we learned were born before 1944, who, uh, whose lives were uh, largely shaped by the Great Depression and World War II, and we learned that life was at a much slower pace. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, there, there, were, there was no TV. Um, in the formative years, uh, uh, people uh, remembered purchasing their families, uh, getting their first vehicle, uh, which transformed life in many ways. Uh, but we didn't just learn. I think we really gained a sincere appreciation for this deeply committed generation and their, their hearts of, of self-sacrifice uh, that not only helped to form and shape the world as we know it today, but, but really uh, reflected Jesus uh, to, uh, to the broader world and really helped and formed and shaped our church. Uh, it, it was a memorable week learning about and finding great value in what the builder generation means for, uh, for all of us. Uh, but next week, uh, we're tackling Generation X, uh, people who are between 34 and 52. And the week after that, we're looking at uh, the Mosaics, who are uh, roughly between 16 and 33. And then we're going to wrap it all up in, in a special way on February 10th with one combined worship service. Everybody will be in here at 10 a.m., uh, so you get to sleep in just a little bit. And then we'll share a, a meal together afterwards. Um, and, and it's going to be a very memorable time. So uh, so I hope that you uh, mark that on your calendar. But today, today we've got the baby boomers. Do you represent? Yeah. Uh, there, there are a bunch of you in this worship service. Last week, it was like all the hands went up, it felt like, at, at 9 o'clock. Uh, uh, but the baby boomers are called that because they are a huge generation. Um, after uh, the, uh, just the tragic events of World War II, um, and after, after uh, the the victory of World War II for the West, uh, the chaos of all of it, Americans settled into family life and they had babies. Lots and lots of babies. Uh, to the tune of over 4 million babies uh, between, in each year uh, between the years of the mid-50s to the mid-60s. By, by far the largest generation in the United States up to that point until the Mosaics recently took over the top spot. Uh, but because of their vast numbers, uh, boomers have been heavily studied and marketed to <laughs> their, their entire lives. Uh, they are the most affluent, independent, and rebellious generation of the four. Uh, the, the, the boomers challenge the morals and the rules and the traditions of their builder parents. Um, and, and their formative years occurred between the, the mid-1950s and the mid-1970s. Now, uh, last week, I was uh, able to sit down and have a conversation with uh, a baby boomer who you've already seen, many of you have met uh, already, our, our very own Jennifer Zahn. And I know that you'll enjoy this video as you learn and maybe uh, be invited back into some of the experiences of the, the baby boomer generation. So enjoy this. I'm Jennifer Zahn, and I would like to talk to you today about what it was like growing up in the 50s and 60s as a baby boomer. Um, I was born on September 15, 1951, and life was a lot different back in those times. Um, I don't want to call those the good old days or anything like that, but it was a lot different. Um, I've been a member of the Troy United Methodist Church here for about 24 years. So in the 50s and 60s, that really, the, the music was quite different and um, television and all those types of social things that we do. As far as music goes, those were the times when Elvis appeared on the scene. Um, I saw him uh, on the Ed Sullivan show for the first time in the 50s. Uh, and now people, none of you 
younger than, than me at all probably even know what the Ed Sullivan show was, but it was a, a variety show that used to come on TV. And I actually even saw the Beatles as when the first time they appeared on the Ed Sullivan show. So it was the era of rock and roll, and um, the parents just hated it because they didn't like the long hair, they didn't like the music, they didn't like anything, which means that all the kids, we, we loved it, you know, because it was so different. My, my parents, most parents back in the day, uh, the father would work and the mother would stay home with the children, or she would be home and be a homemaker. But in my family, my parents both worked. And so that was uh, a challenge, especially for my mother, because she, it was, there was no daycare at the time. And so it was a, a big challenge to try to find people, uh, reliable people, to take care of us when uh, the need arose. TV was different. There, we had TV. I, I think I was probably, this really ages me, because I was about 10 years old when we got a TV. And um, we, the family would sit together and watch TV because, and based on what my dad wanted to watch, that's what we watched, except maybe on the weekends. And we would watch Tarzan and shows like that and, and of course, cartoons and that type of thing. During the 60s, when I was um, an adolescent and getting into high school those times, that's when um, a lot of the, the hippie-type generation topics that you, that you hear about came to, to be. Uh, I think mostly that was about protesting. A lot of the, the kids of, that, of my generation would see things that they thought were double standards being played out, and they they didn't think it was right. Such things such as the, um, the civil rights or the, the race relations of the time and the Vietnam War and the, the, the government, the people in the government. That there was a lot of discord and, um, and disagreement among, among those. And the parents, you know, uh, I think that's true with almost any generation that the young the kids and the parents are going to have differences, but we are pretty far apart in, in that sense. Regarding civil rights um, and growing up in the South, it probably wasn't as different for me as it was for other, other kids around the country because uh, the laws were uh, that there was segregation in schools and in churches and not necessarily in communities, but we were definitely separate, but in by no way were we equal. The Civil Rights Movement and the times uh, in the 60s that had to do with um, social justice and that type of thing was not the only scary part. It, we, there were a lot of bomb threats during the time. There a lot of protests. You talk about the hippie movement, so-called hippie movement. Um, there were, were a lot of um, events where people would come out and speak against what, what they saw as wrong because growing up and, and living in the culture and then being more mature and seeing seeing the way things really are as, as, as a young adult caused me personally to think, well, what is going on? Why, why, why did anybody ever think this was right? At the same time, there were some unbelievably awesome things that were happening during that era of time too, such as the, uh, the first walk on the moon with Neil Armstrong. That was in, in 1969, I know that for sure. But, um, and I remember looking, watching this on TV, and even, even at the time, watching this happen in real time on television was just so, so outlandishly 
foreign and unbelievable to us. And so even, even now, if you think about all the things we can do with technology, back in 1969 to, to have your TV on and be able to see this happening at that time, it was just amazing. One thing that I'd like to share with you is a quote that I saw on a Facebook post not, not too long ago, and I think I even shared it. And the, the post said, what's wrong is wrong if everybody's doing it, and what's right is right even when nobody's doing it. And that really goes a long way towards the way that my heart feels about issues to do with, with living in our society today and, and the way we live our lives. Um, another quote was from Maya Angelou, and this is, I'm paraphrasing this, but basically she said, when you know better, you should do better. And I want to leave you with that because that pretty much says it all for me. Jennifer, uh, uh, Jennifer was real nervous about that, uh, but she did a great job, didn't she? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, boomers, just like every generation, I mean, they, they span a, a quite a, a time period, a couple of decades, and, and so each generation can kind of be broken down into subunits. And uh, those, uh, the, the first subunit here are those born in the first wave of the generation, like Jennifer. Uh, they, they really cut their teeth on, uh, during a time of political activism and, and, and real optimism about what the world could look like. I mean, they remember uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s I had, 1963, I Have a Dream speech. And they, they had high, high hopes of being able to see those dreams um, lived out uh, largely through their efforts. Uh, famous boomers uh, from this group in, include uh, President Trump, uh, George W. Bush, uh, Bill Clinton, Oprah Winfrey, uh, Sly Stallone, and Sally Field. Uh, then were the, there were those who were born in the last wave of the generation between 1955 and 1965. Uh, two of the really formative and major events that happened um, during uh, their formative years uh, were the national energy crisis in, in the 70s and the resignation of Richard Nixon after the Watergate scandal. Uh, famous boomers from, from this segment of their generation include Barack Obama, uh, Madonna, Michael Jordan, Tom Cruise, Spike Lee, and Anita Baker. You, you heard a, a lot of the formative events of this generation from Jennifer, uh, but, but I'll just share a few highlights. Uh, their parents, the builders, uh, who we looked at last week, they really entered uh, their formative years uh, during a time of slow economic growth that resulted in uh, the, the Great Depression. Uh, they faced uh, wars and hardships that really formed their work ethic and commitment that is characteristic to their generation. Uh, older boomers, on the other hand, uh, they entered their formative years and really entered life during the, the uh, time when the world was feasting on the victories and the rising affluence after World War II. And so uh, they moved through the first half of their lives with the, with the economic arrow like almost consistently pointing up and to the right. And yet as they came of age, uh, these boomers began to discover that the world wasn't as ideal as they thought that it was. And they spent decades fighting oppression and injustice in various forms. Uh, the boomers were formed uh, in large part by outrage. 
rebelling against the status quo that was so cherished by their parents and and driven by a vision of a future that could be better, Uh, uh, not just for them, but for the entire earth, a vision that is really uh, still very much alive today. Uh, Boomers were shaped uh, not by World War II, but by the Cold War. Uh, living in fear that communists were going to take over the world, uh, living under the constant threat of nuclear uh, annihilation. Uh, boomers out here, do you remember the school drills? Duck and cover? How many? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and boomers were also the first TV generation. In 1950, uh, there were only 3.9 million households that had TVs. Uh, by 1960, It was 46 million households had a telly. And most uh, were watching Leave it to Beaver and Father Knows Best. Uh, You know, boomers boomers, uh, experience unprecedented economic growth. Um, uh, After adjusting for inflation, the average median uh, household income grew by uh, over $5,000 during the 50s and by over $6,000 more in the 1960s. Uh, By comparison, during the 70s, it didn't grow at all. Not a a bit. Um, And this growth was largely due to a major difference between the boomers and their builder parents, the advent of the dual-income household, um, where women began having careers outside the home. Uh, Now, now boomers, they experienced uh, also a tremendous technological advancement, uh, led by the uh, invention of the transistor, uh, just a tiny little gadget which allowed power input to be amplified and regulated. Uh, This led to all kinds of advancement in electronics, uh, particularly, uh, and, and first and most loved, the transistor radio. Uh, and yes, rock and roll defined this generation, was born in this generation, uh, led by Elvis and the Beatles. I mean, rock and roll was also the medium that boomers used to express their desires for social and political change, uh, much like the song uh, that we heard earlier. Um, a, a monumental event for this generation occurred in 1969, the, the first Woodstock concert. Um, and and the, uh, other, other things that were highlights, the space race was a major highlight. Neil Armstrong stepping out of Apollo 11 onto the surface of the moon on July 20th of 1969 with the entire world watching and listening to his words. That's one small step for man, one giant step for mankind. And that captured the heart of this generation. And, and the boomers tried to make those giant steps in other arenas too particularly in the fight for civil rights. Uh, The protests and the marches and the speeches, they they stirred up the inward desire uh, for justice in the minds, uh, particularly of college-age boomers. Uh, This activist mentality carried over um, into um, other causes, including protests over the war in Vietnam. Uh, Many many boomers in their 20s were uh, just outraged and strongly opposed to the continued war. Um, and uh, continued American involvement. Uh, Chants like, hell no, we won't go, were were commonplace. Uh, uh, Following uh, the uh, uh, Richard Nixon's announcement on April 30th of 1970 about the invasion of uh, Cambodia and the resulting need to draft an additional 150,000 American soldiers to be sent overseas, uh, protests, 
protesters staged anti-war rallies, uh, particularly at Kent State University in Ohio. And the governor of Ohio, James Rhodes, he ordered in the National Guardsmen to the university where they used tear gas to disperse the crowds. And then when a supposed shot was heard, uh, the guardsmen opened fire on unarmed students, killing four and wounding nine. And this, this tragedy, uh, this tragic incident incited massive, massive protests uh, across the country. Um, uh, also before that, in the, the decade before that, the assassinations of national heroes, uh, JFK in 1963 and uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and Bobby Kennedy in 1968, it really tarnished the hopes and the dreams uh, that boomers had. Uh, couple that with the outrage over the war in Vietnam and, and Kent State, uh, boomers' hopes and dreams turned into skepticism and cynicism. And then finding out that they had been lied to by the highest office in the nation during the Watergate scandal, boomers' fears uh, were confirmed and their distrust of authority was reinforced. Uh, boomers' primary experience of the world was the injustice and hypocrisy that they experienced uh, from uh, the 1950s America of their parents. And that led them to rebel against everything that their builder parents stood for. Uh, theirs was a generation fighting against everything they saw as corrupt and failing and, and unjust, uh, and, uh, including white male privilege, uh, first world narcissism, the exploitation of the earth. Uh, all of this fueled uh, rage that drove many boomers to speak out, to protest, to get arrested, to uh, get high, um, uh, maybe to, to make art and music. And, and again, it's just like with every generation, it's, it's hard to lump all boomers into the same category. I mean, some of you boomers here today uh, might, might be thinking, well, that wasn't quite my experience. Uh, but, but here are some characteristics that, that broadly characterize uh, the boomer generation, this highly influential generation. Uh, boomers, uh, up to this point, were by far the most highly educated generation to, uh, ever seen in the United States. Um, as the first TV generation, they were heavily, heavily influenced by media. Uh, as opposed to their builder parents who usually worked for one employer their entire careers, uh, boomers uh, will typically on average work for three to six um, uh, companies um, and change careers uh, over their lifetime. Often, often accompanied by moves uh, across the nation, which helped to reinforce this uh, stark independence and, and breaking off from the larger family unit that previous generations were known for being connected to. Uh, boomers are also very uh, fitness conscious, or at least they were, uh, like in the 80s, which led to uh, folks like Jane Fonda and, and uh, Richard Simmons becoming rich and famous. Um, uh, speaking of riches, uh, boomers, uh, being very affluent, have, have a keen eye for quality, and, and they, they love, in fact, they, they can't live without options. Boomers need options. I think that's part of being marketed to their entire lives. Uh, but, but the tumultuous events during Boomer's formative years created in them two characteristics that I think are pretty important for us to grasp. Uh, first, Boomers tend to be cause-oriented cause activists. Uh, whether it's fighting communism or marching for civil rights or protesting the war in Vietnam, uh, volunteering for the Peace Corps, uh, they, they pitched in and fought for what they believed in. 
Uh, Boomers still believe that they must try to make the world a better place for everybody. Uh, Second, boomers are known for questioning authority. Uh, Their builder parents rarely questioned authority due to their training that they received in the home and in the church and in the military. But boomers, uh, boomers on the other hand, learn to not trust authority. I mean, think about the events that we just talked about, the Vietnam War, uh, Watergate scandal. They taught boomers not uh, to not trust authority. Uh, In the 60s, they used to say, uh, don't trust anybody over 30. Uh, well, now, now all boomers are plenty over 30. In fact, Gen X is all over 30 now, uh, but they still find it hard to trust, um, especially, are especially critical of politicians and people in authority, uh, including pastors. Uh, go figure. That's okay, though. Uh, these, these characteristics, they, they bleed over into the faith of boomers. Uh, boomers are much less concerned about the church as an institution as they are with their personal experience and, and their relationships with, with people. They're, they're less committed to any particular denomination, um, and they prefer churches that have uh, celebrative and, and participatory types of worship services. Uh, since boomers are cause-driven and highly relational, they, they tend to be drawn to churches that are, are doing something that they perceive as being of great value to real people. Uh, Boomers are more likely to contribute to ministry that effectively communicates a a clear mission and a strong vision that has a big cause or a big dream attached to it. Um, Boomers favor activism. Uh, They want to get involved and are usually open to uh, serving in their local church. Uh, They they view themselves as problem solvers, but but they, they will not minister purely out of a sense of duty and obligation. They're way too busy and have way too many other options and alternatives for that. Um, a ministry must fit their, their, their sense of meaning and purpose and have a sense of fulfillment attached to it. Um, and, and because of their distrust of authority, uh, uh, boomers tend to be much more informal with pastors and church leaders, oftentimes uh, calling their pastor by just their first name and not their title, which is totally fine by me. You can keep that up. Uh, but, but boomers, more than any other living generation, have developed their lives and, and kind of rearranged their priorities and their resources and time to, to making their dreams of a better world uh, come to reality. They were not only marching for peace in 1968, they're marching now, continuing to see a better world, a world that could be, and contributing selflessly in order to help make that come about. Uh, They continue to see visions and dream dreams of what the world could be, and uh, they see a world that is increasingly diverse, uh, increasingly egalitarian and just, largely due to their efforts. And because of these characteristics, we can learn a lot and appreciate a lot about what the baby boomer generation has to offer each of us and our lives, as well as the church as a whole. Boomers exhibit boldness to challenge the status quo and, and to fight for the oppressed, to dream of what the world could look like for all people. And you know what? Here's the really radical thing. Jesus did the same thing. He came to earth and his ministry was about proclaiming a new and better and alternative way of life defined as the kingdom of God. Jesus preached, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
And Jesus taught that the kingdom of God was open to everyone. And that not just a a select few who made the cut. His mission was largely defined by raising up the hurting and the wounded and the oppressed to work for justice for people. And listen to these words that that Jesus chose uh, from the Old Testament as an introduction to his own ministry. Jesus said and read uh, from the book of Isaiah that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Well, guess what? The the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they didn't like that very much. They had the power, and they wanted to keep it. I mean, they had a vested interest in keeping things the way that they were. But Jesus stood up to those leaders. I mean, he protested. He, he even had his own chance. Well, one of Jesus' uh, oft-repeated phrases that, that uh, is recorded in Matthew 23 goes like this. Woe to you! Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! In fact, in that chapter, he repeats this phrase, this call, uh, seven times and gives a laundry list of religious corruption that he saw at play that the leaders practiced. Things like shutting the door of God's kingdom in people's faces, of leading people astray with false teaching, for neglecting justice and mercy and faithfulness. Um, He accused them of simply holding appearances, but, but being corrupt and wicked in the heart where it mattered the most. And Jesus stirred it up. And he called out the injustice and religious corruption of his day. Uh, And and just like the tumultuous 60s, just like Martin Luther King Jr., whose legacy we as a a nation and really as a world um, remember this weekend, the, the, the prophet, the one who stood up for revolution and change, was killed. Set up by those that he criticized and called out. Jesus was led to the cross and executed as a revolutionary. But death couldn't contain Jesus, nor his kingdom. And his followers throughout the ages, including today, are empowered by the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead to be his modern-day revolutionaries, doing justice and loving mercy and opening the doors of God's kingdom to all people. And these revolutionaries are guided by by this charge from Romans chapter 12 and and, and many like it. Uh, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. And we can learn and appreciate so much at that the boomers generation uh, characterizes and, and the faith that they have. I mean, I love the fact that boomers tend to put people above institutions and consider everyone as equal and really do what they can to stand up for the oppressed. Uh, but, but I believe that we can most admire the boomers as revolutionaries. Living for justice and making the kingdom of God a reality in the world for all people. Now, 
To be clear, uh, these, these values and experiences, they don't characterize every boomer. They, they don't. But they should characterize every Christian. And being a revolutionary on behalf of God's kingdom, that is our call. And, and, and by revolutionary, I simply mean someone who's willing to advocate for change. Change that, that stands up for justice and mercy in the ways of God's kingdom as an alternative way of life to the ways of this world. We, we, we cannot, friends, we cannot be the church of Jesus Christ without welcoming all people and by helping them be transformed from the ways of the world to the ways of God's kingdom. The, the boomer's generation uh, can, can help remind us of that. And the truth is, though, most of us, if we're honest, we're more concerned with our own comfort uh, than we are as living as God's kingdom revolutionaries. And in that case, when we recognize that in ourselves, uh, then it is right and good for us to do what Jesus first commanded. And that is to repent. Repent of our sin and turn toward God, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So let's do that right now as we pray. Well, God Almighty, we can, we can learn and appreciate so much from the boomer generation, without a doubt. And their heartfelt desire to bring equality and justice and love to, to everybody. And they were willing to stand up for what was wrong, the, the corruption and war, and, and many who did so suffered for it. Lord, would you give us the courage to stand up for the oppressed and those who have been outcast? And give us the courage to be voices for change when we see injustice, when we see corruption. And we confess that regardless of our generation, we, we've regularly chosen the easy path, the path of comfort and self-centeredness, and, and have neglected, as Jesus said, the more important things, that of justice and mercy and faithfulness. Well, forgive us, Lord. At, we pray in the name of Jesus. We ask for your mercy. And we pray that with the ideal of the boomers as an example, that you would ignite in each one of us a, a passion for being a kingdom revolutionary, living for justice and opening up the doors of your kingdom to all people, helping them be transformed from the ways of this world to the ways of your kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people agreed and said, amen. Well, the really, the really cool uh, reality for our church is that that prayer uh, is already being answered in our midst. And we get to hear from Becky Lubert, who's a part of our mission team, uh, to hear about the many ways that our church has channeled this revolutionary spirit and made a real difference in the lives of, of everyday people. Uh, so would you welcome Becky as she shares a little bit of our activity from the last year? Thank you. And boy, have we been busy. We have been so busy. So I'm thrilled to be here this morning to share with you some of the things that we have done this past year um, through our church. And you know, the spirit of mission and justice, as um, Andy was talking about this morning, is really a part of the DNA of our Christian faith. And so I want to share some of the ways that our church has made a difference um, throughout missions this past year. Um, through your offerings, we gave over 53,000 
$600 to support the missions of the United Methodist Church um, locally, regionally, and abroad. So just let that sink in, $53,600. A little over $31,000 was our apportionment, which goes directly to supporting the United Methodist missions in general. The remaining $22,500 was directed by you to support conference um, children's homes, fight hunger and poverty, provide disaster relief, and various other missions. About $11,200 was um, raised from the special offering in December. In addition to the conference missions, your contributions provided over $12,000 to the local ministry fund, which um, was used to help people pay bills and buy food or gas. But you know, it really isn't all about the money. Um, perhaps more importantly is your own personal involvement in our missions, and I wanna share some of these. This isn't an exhaustive list, but these are some of the ways that you were involved this past year. The United Methodist Women raised over $11,000. They supported several collections, and they made several day trips in support of different missions. The youth groups had about a dozen activities and also a summer mission trip that focused on relieving hunger and providing hope. One day each week during the summer, about 50 people volunteered in Twigs and the Troy program and fed several hundred children. The VBS kids collected several hundred pounds of canned goods for Ministries Unlimited. 15,000 people in Trinidad received a meal through our food packaging event. Share Thanksgiving provided 60 meals to local families. Approximately 30% of the Twigs weekend food boxes were created as a result of the Advent calendar collection. So much joy, chicks with sticks, and sisters in Christ provided about 3,000 sewn, knitted, or crocheted items that were distributed locally and internationally. Hats, gloves, scarves were collected by journey kits um, for the journey kits for Ministries Unlimited. Household maintenance and repair tasks were performed through the newly launched Handyman Ministry. Collections from the Snow Angel Trees provided 80 Christmas gifts for Leslie Bates Davis Neighborhood House and also Liberty Village. 150, 15 shoe boxes were prepared for Operation Christmas Child. In addition to all of those, um, journey groups, families, individuals um, took it upon themselves to support other missionaries, sponsor children, buy livestock, volunteer, and otherwise provide help to those in needs. Wow, we are doing so much. And again, that's not even everything. It's really incredible. You know, in Matthew 25, 40, Jesus says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And I can say through our mission activities, we are helping our brothers and sisters. Thank you. <laughs> 